0: my
1: brother went full retard he went like and designed his entire house um every layer foundation to like you know where the freaking rebar goes to the like everything he designed um including all the parts that go into the house he imported them into sketchup and created a model Um, It's pretty impressive, but it's like very dork level stuff. It's like, did you have to do all that to have a decent house? Probably not.
2: (laughs) But uh, but he has fun doing it because he's just a nerd like me. My my grandpa was a civil engineer. And I remember growing up, he had those big drafting desks. He had the whole drafting room in his house. And you go down and he would hand draw all of the design for his house. And he built his own house, built the cabin and he'd have these big things of paper that are just all hand-drawn perfect looks exactly like what he built so it was kind of interesting yeah it's amazing how
1: much stuff they did hand-drawn back then looks so beautiful um like very impressive work (laughs) like 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 they they did all the designs for like apollo and stuff on paper right that's crazy
2: yeah it's insane and like with slide rulers and
1: <laughs> yeah, slide rulers and paper. Jesus. Yeah. My father was actually originally a civil engineer as well. Um, and in his printing place, we used to have drafting tables. I um, used to have like light tables. I don't know if you've seen those, which is where you yeah, have the entire tables is. backlit so you could put like a tracing paper on there. You can like trace interesting things off of that. Um, yeah, I was always fortunate to have a lot of interesting like physical technology around me growing up, which is really great, right? I used to yes, I used to crazy. use that stuff all the time, making like, you know, everything from paper airplanes to like gigantic projects. Just <laughs> <it's> <laughs> funny because your your dad, you imagine, has a printing place, and you're a kid, and he drops you there because you know that's babysitting. You know when you're when your parents own a business, and after school and stuff, you'd sit there and I'd climb up on all the shelves that I'll have all the different types of paper and make objects with paper and all sorts of crazy shit just because you have to spend like you know the
2: time right oh, yeah. blue, a few hours a day <laughs> yeah my there. my dad had a manufacturing company that did you know composite work like carbon fiber and that sort of stuff and okay and way back in the day he did some of the early indie cars and i was just a little kid and i was you know running around the shop and i thought it was so cool and then i'd go out in the back who they had like the scrap yard and start building like push carts and stupid things just being creative and what do you design composites for now like airplanes and things or what all types of stuff rifles (laughs) like uh rifle stocks hunting bows uh aircraft components all types of stuff so you did you take over the family business like you have a machine shop or something or what so i do most of my stuff from home um i have my own little business doing it but i i actually go and take in processes and other things to other companies and teach them how to do it and design up tooling and equipment and take it all in and, you know, build a couple parts and then they take over and do production work. Yeah. Yeah. stuff's cool. Nice. Um, Like, do you do anything
1: particularly intricate or is it more like just. um, Yeah. I've done parts for different things people want.
2: Uh, I've done a lot of random stuff, um, like full aircraft wings with built-in fuel tanks and all types of stuff. I've done floats for... uh, Oh, full aircraft. That's that's a pretty big shop then. Yeah, so this is like years and years ago, and you'd Mm. just rent out space to do the the fabrication. and I didn't do any of the production work, but... Just the all of the v- development, like R&D work. Okay. So is this like people that were building like
1: hobbyist planes and things that you kind of...
2: No, this was like a experimental plane. It was like the size of a Cessna. It was a 20-foot wing. Okay. That was probably the most elaborate part. But experimental, means... like it's an actual company that you all... to create this? So, I mean, I, can't, I don't want to get... Yeah, too into it because then it gets into doxing. But exact company, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a very very well known company. Uh, they didn't they didn't finish the they didn't put it into production, but they made their their own four seater prop plane, and yeah, we built the wings for that, and then I've done a bunch of random. It's like a random prot- building a stuff. prototype type of thing. Yep, exactly. nice. Yeah, with experimental planes, that you can get away with a lot more. But then when you get into production, oh, the, the paper trail of production parts, I mean, it, it goes down to the exact formation of the metal at the foundry. And there's a paper trail all the way back, including every bolt. It's yeah, it's, brutal, like, <laughs> it's, it's wild.
1: For architecture, it's the same thing. It's like you get into what we call you know we call schedules basically and it just goes on and on um and the funny thing is if you design something and you create a schedule for it and you're like hey can you bid on how much it takes to build this like legitimately how is it possible for the contractor to actually go through every little product you put in there find a price for it and bid it so a lot of these guys what they do is my brother realized that if you put too much detail in the people that are going to build this house for you or whatever, they're going to just give you some ridiculously high price because they don't have the time to calculate every single one of those items <laughs> and how much they cost.
2: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so. the same thing with, uh, when you're doing like detailed drawings, uh-huh. the higher you do your tolerancing, the higher your price is going to go. Yeah. And you might not even need that. Like I've, I've seen people where they tolerance something like way over tolerance and They come back with the price. It's just astronomical. And you're like, do you even really need that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, he got in trouble with going to too small of a measurement level in terms of tolerance and had that exact same problem happen and where it's like they're not used to building at this tolerance for for house construction. And you're going to get like a fucked up mess where they're going to make mistakes. Yep. And um you know, so he had to actually redo a bunch of shit and it took a lot of time for him to do that. It's kind of painful for
2: him. <laughs> you know, that that whole paper trail of information might be an interesting thing for blockchain technology.
0: Yeah, and not just blockchain, but how is that sort of paper trail stuff managed? Like, because there's absolutely no... Everyone has
2: to everyone has to hold their documents.
0: Essentially, yeah.
2: It's yeah. It's pretty, here's
1: it's, here's an interesting problem. It's one thing to say you designed it correctly, but imagine what happens usually is though you have this big document has a bunch of shit in it. And then they're like, Oh, they don't make this flooring material now. Yep. So now you, now you have to change something and then, Oh, but that doesn't like the thickness of that is not exactly the same as this one. So, Hey, by the way, it's not going to look the same on real, real life. Yes, so yeah, that's There's all like,
2: revision control
1: right yeah revision control but then also you get the problem of like now you have you're on the third version and they're on version one and all the subcontractors they may not have the exact version unless you specifically print it for them even if you did the one in their workers truck might be the wrong version yep and revision control yeah like you said is just a gigantic mess it's a nightmare
2: it's It's a a nightmare so this is why
1: a lot of people have moved like big contractors big big um like construction companies that w- they work only with their architect they only work with their um engineers they only work with their whoever and they do it all in-house and they all run autodesk revit yep. and by all being on revit the revision control like you know they it can all everyone. Pushed. yeah everyone has the same version at that moment and that's a problem in architecture like gigantic problem
2: yeah a lot of the things with with like some of the military contractors I mean they do a pretty good job of keeping everything controlled, but they have they have their own specs for certain things, like mill specs, that they'll call out on their drawings. And then what they've started doing is they're using their suppliers' drawings and they're just calling out a part number that they can just buy from. So as long as it meets those specs and it falls under that you know, that part number, you have to control your own drawings rather than them controlling it from the top. So, yeah but, but for it, you it's, it's
1: like it's it's always like <laughs> that stress that like hey I, I designed something i missed some decimal point and now or like it looks okay on paper but then there's some other nuance and then you yep. produce this thing and then it doesn't fit or some shit <laughs> yep sure exactly it and
2: it's just a pain a yeah, pain but expensive pain too. yeah exactly exactly well and I mean you think about like when that that bowing door fell off right right <laughs> It's At a that point, point thing works in every way. single person, every company that it was involved in that door in any way, down to the bolts, down to the metal, is going to get sued until they figure out where the problem was. So it just becomes yeah. a nightmare for for companies. The lawsuits involved with these things
1: are quite frustrating. Also, um, yeah. when something doesn't work, someone because the contractor's gonna be like, "No, you gave me this spec. I built it like you said." And then someone else is gonna say, no, I, I told you to change it, but you didn't notice, right? Or some some shit. And um yeah, who actually is the one at fault and you usually have to go to arbitration for these things or whatever. Yep. But someone's gonna lose some money somewhere. And oftentimes it almost doesn't matter who made the mistake. You lose the money in time no matter what happens. Yep. And lawyer fees
2: and everything else. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's just a
1: mess.
0: As a uh, programmer, thinking about the way that this stuff gets done now, like engineer to engineer through paper and meetings and all that sort of stuff. And then like having to handle the stuff like, you know, these revisions and there being no like systems across industries and everyone sort of for themselves like each like hospital generally has to manage like all of their own IT systems all of their own like stuff it's just insane so this is why I'm working on some kind of like thing that could um eat up a lot of this stuff because it's just insane (laughs) like the
2: amount of waste the part that that you get into some you get into some issues with where you know every company thinks everything is IP so you know you get into this whole intellectual property issue that becomes its own hairball another monster yeah that's a good point now it we have this building that
1: we built um it's like a pretty sizable thing with like you know 5 to 10 ton uh, steel beams that hold up this gigantic stadium sized building kind of thing and um these Uh, right in the middle of the construction process, we were just getting ready to sort of construct and the fucking uh, company that create the steel or created these pieces went out of business. So the people that our engineers were talking to that they were getting to put this stuff out, ended up like, you know, ended up having to work with a whole brand new company at the last minute. Just imagine like, one of the most expensive chunks of stuff you have to buy. One of the most time consuming if there's a mistake and a brand new company is now involved <laughs> so by some fucking miracle. The whole building came together. I was just shocked that it actually worked. Um, but I wasn't sure that it would for, and there was, there was a part that actually was made wrong
2: and had to be done. Well, again that was, and stuff That was part of the issue with the, the F 35 when they were building that airplane because they did a, they did it as a joint uh, production effort for many different countries. You had this supply chain that was just insane. And you know, with if one person messed up something and missed a deadline, it messed everyone up in the whole supply chain. And so the budget just went through the absolute roof.
0: But now that uh, yeah, because
2: you have you have labor sitting around doing
1: nothing while you're waiting for parts to arrive. And not but now up. the
0: the Your, stuff is distributed. And um it's not just concentrated in America now the price per plane is going down massively compared to pretty yep exactly so um, and much more versatile in terms of um you know having a steady supply like having thousands of um of these things is crazy that's why you know Ukraine wants f sixteens and not like a a grippen or whatever where there's like a hundred of them 'cause um yeah. Yep.
1: Yep, interesting stuff. Yeah, the 3D space stuff is cool. Um, hmm, looks like nothing like too interesting happening today. Market wise, like a flat day. Hey,
4: I just want to say, I just feel in your comment section about injective. Is that okay?
1: <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. Feeling <laughs> in the comment okay. section. <laughs> it's funny Um, but anyway yeah it's like everything's sort of just flat like what's happened to the the market is basically like everything sort of reached a certain like consolidation level and volume for every coin is dropping off so it's dropping off for pretty much any coin you pick and that usually is indicative that some sort of mega move will happen either down or up And I think everyone hopes that's up, but nobody really knows for sure. So it's like, there's like these indecision points on charts and things, and everyone's like, ah, should I get more? Should I get not? Is it just, you know, and everything's like, it's support and whatever. And as the volume falls, then, you know, market makers and whatever have to make a decision, they're like, okay, we have to keep making money. We have to have these retards keep trading. Does it make more sense to, we'll find more buyers down lower, or if the price keeps going up, then people FOMO in and pay more for our coins so everyone wants you to pay more for their coins if possible on the way up but um if there's not enough sort of volume or buyers to support it then what will happen is the market making crowd will lower their limit buy orders to the next lower fib and then price will sort of bleed down there where there's not as much uh like buy capacity and they'll try to find the next place where sufficient buying volume is available and then you'll see volume start to spike and then uh, you'll
2: go for another run. That's kind of how this shit works. <laughs> so, um. with the with the BTC or the Bitcoin ETF, it really seemed mm-hmm. like all of the the funds already bought Bitcoin down at like fifteen, and they were, you know, just selling to their customer at that higher price, and then they'll drop the price back down so they can pick up more as they dump it on retail as it goes back up. That's kind of my... With, with ETFs, thesis. I'm
1: not so sure how that works. So we know somebody has to hold those reserves, and we know a lot of that's being held on Coinbase, um, their institutional and, thing.
2: And Kraken, right?
1: Those are the two. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe both of them. And so what has to happen is, like, they have to have BTC in Reserve in at least as much btc as they are trying to sell to everybody else so if you're trying to sell 10 bitcoin etf shares you have to have at least 10 um uh in in custody yeah how much do they have ahead of time i don't know how much did coinbase and kraken themselves sort of load up on btc with the expectation that they're going to actually sell to these etfs at that time The thing is, ETFs and whatnot are not in the game of making money on selling you Bitcoin. They're in the game of making money on fees, right? So I don't think that the ETFs necessarily want to be an owner of any excess Bitcoin to speculate on the price of it. I think what happened was is KuCoin, I'm sorry, Coinbase and Kraken or whoever, they buy up BTC. They're the ones that make money if a bunch of etf customers show up now because they're the ones that probably bought low that makes sense and if the etf demand exceeds whatever coinbase has in their um reserves for their individual um etfs then the the coinbase has to actually go out and buy more btc to load up the backup reserve for that particular etf and that's how this game is played i think so there's like these multiple layers of. I guess not remittance, but like layers of reserves that you have to show. And, um, but I don't think ETFs are in the game. Like BlackRock is interested in owning a bunch of Bitcoin necessarily. I could be wrong about this. They might have some base level that they had to, well, actually I think probably what happened is they probably had to have a base level to get started. You know, you got to have, you know, $500 million worth of BTC, you know, in this escrow account, maybe they were required to put in some capital early on and that coinbase didn't want to buy it all with their own capital right that's a possibility but i'm not sure how the whole thing works like how much btc has demand from from etfs have to occur now in order to materially move the actual price of bitcoin because you're taking supply off the market or how much of that is priced in because they already own that btc i don't that's the answer i don't know the answer to Um, without hearing from the ETFs, like, you know, some interview of like, what are they doing exactly? I don't think we're going to know. Or maybe their quarterly, quarterly report will say, man, that's possible. So like whenever their first quarter reports come out, we read those and say, okay, this is what they're doing. You might have a sense. But by that point, like once you've done your research and everything, like all the, the market will um, sort of have all of that priced in. But I, I think the odds are that if more people are buying BTC and ETF over the next couple of years, it will drive price up though like cuz no matter what happens somewhere more reserves are going to have to be created
2: yeah it's definitely going to be a, a big capital infusion but it's definitely got to take more time it it wasn't a release date type like run for the bitcoin <laughs> yeah no I, well the release, the release date part would be maybe the pre-pump right
1: like the, yep the, the narrative part but yeah, the deterministic effect of more BTC being bought, like that hasn't been,
2: you're not going to have that play out right now. Right. And I mean, it really looked like we were only at with Bitcoin, at least only at like a wave one on the Elliott. Uh-huh. It looked like we needed to come back down on a wave two before we could really get into what they what everyone considers the bull market.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like that. We've we've gone through sort of like the disbelief pump so far yep um what's interesting is we had um in 2023 like we had a run-up already to in even early as april to 31k so that would have been kind of like traditionally the bear market rally and you dipped it to 25k then went to 31 again you dipped back to 25k again and then sort of continued upwards so you could argue that like the 30k down to 25k like that retracement that
2: was the bear market push and rally
1: even on the way up
2: there was like people making that argument but it looked like the golden pocket for bitcoin was at about 48 so it was it was almost like it has it has to get up to that uh, kind of that shoulder of the previous rally for the for the wave one right Mm-hmm. That, at least that's my theory on it I don't know yeah these things usually accurate. pull back at some some point right so yeah
1: Elliot wave is kind of this the concept that like mentally um, there comes a point where it's like okay you get buyer exhaustion And then you get like these waves of people, humans that show up to buy. And first wave is just like the PR wave. Everyone sort of goes, oh, look, that's interesting. But almost nobody knows in the general public what BTC's price is today. If you walk down the street and ask people what Bitcoin's cost today, they'd probably have no idea, right? Yep, exactly. Um, And so like, and then you get like a way, so you'll get a pullback at some point. Then you'll have a wave that goes to probably the all-time high area. And as you hit all-time high, then what happens is everyone's like, Yahoo, it's getting exciting now. The bull market's really beginning. That's how people start acting because basically everyone in the market will be in the green at that point who uh, who held, right? Yep. So at that point, it's like water cooler start talk begins, and then you have some sort of giga run. And typically that, you know, I think like last season, if you kind of look at like the 20K breakout, which was like in, I think, November 2022, yeah November 2020 I'm sorry um to like the the, the most the first top is 64k that only took four months mu- four or five months yep four or five months so like if we're if we kind of break high already by April then by end of year that would put you at 150k or something like if you just have one yeah, extension
2: the fib extensions for Bitcoin are are wild I mean it I was seeing up to like 280k as like a my yeah depends on
1: which which method you use like if you use like the last year's low of 3850 and you and you say sixty nine thousand is the top um then yeah you get like 150k and then 227 410 those kind of numbers
2: yeah so so what i end up doing for my own i don't use just the low of that single wave i take it back to the previous run because that previous Mm -hmm. run becomes the first wave right yeah it's reasonable so I take it all the way back to like the 4k range and then measure from there and now you you get what your next wave max fib should be but I mean it seems yeah. to be working decently so far DCC <laughs> definitely follows these pretty closely yep well the, tr- the TradFi follows them too I spent a bunch yep. of time digging back into like 1941 of the SPX and yeah, keep drawing back. them. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> this
1: is pretty wild. No, you go to some previous swings and you sort of draw them out without knowing anything except you know the history, you know where the swing high and swing low were, and then you just draw them out and see what happens. And they tend to be pretty accurate in terms of just like general target predictions.
2: Yeah, that's why I have this feeling that, you know, alt season has got to be coming up because all the alts seem to have pulled back from their way of one run up already. Yeah, and if, you, if by the way,
1: if you use 69K Bitcoin and you use 15,613, which is the recent swing low. So if you use that to draw out your extensions, then one, you have one fib exactly at 50,000. And after that, you have no other resistances. And then after that, it's like 103, 127, 172, those kind of ranges. Yep. But I think, like, just if you look at market caps, though, um, from a rational perspective, 103 one hundred three thousand bitcoin seems like it's fe- very feasible
2: i um, tend to not look at market cap as much as actual coin price and, mm-hmm, and circulating yeah. coins just because i mean it's just an extra extrapolation of of that set. Yeah. because i mean what people are really looking at is oh do i want to buy 40k bitcoin mm-hmm. do i want to buy 60k bitcoin you know right. they're not looking at I don't even know what the market cap of Bitcoin is, (laughs) to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's like, exactly. So, no, but I think like the 127K to 172, these are kind of the levels that this predicts. Um, And then if you use the previous cycle, it runs to about 150. So... It's a mixture of like past cycle fibs and the most recent. And I think it tends to re- land right in the middle somewhere. Yep. So 127 to 150 seems like a rational zone to for BTC.
2: Well, I mean, the theory of Elliott Wave, they have, you know, if it's wave one, wave one is, you know, much smaller. Wave three is supposedly mm-hmm. the, big the one. largest wave. So say we're now in wave five, then you wouldn't get the same, except for there's theory that in and commodities that wave five is the biggest and wave three is the smallest or not the smallest but like a mid-size so mm. it really just depends on what the reality of those of that is i mean if it's if we're in a wave five uh super cycle then and and wave three is the biggest then your wave five wouldn't run to like 280k it would run to like 120 130 somewhere in in that range yeah
1: but you know like what's your
2: atc owner um to get the
1: meat of the move so to speak like where would you sell like like if you bought sub 20k i sold uh 27k and then i switched into Chainlink at like seven dollars and that's doubled to 15 now
2: so for my so. sell points, I use uh, the Bollinger Bands for my sell points. When I start okay. to see the Bollinger's rolling over the top and yeah. kind of a seller exhaustion. And right. you usually get like a blow off the top that kind of spikes through the Bollinger. And then it pulls back and rolls over itself. So people get trapped buying in because they think they're missing like the main But you're rally. doing Bollinger on the what? The weekly or something? Or what? Like- uh, so I do – it depends on what scale I'm at on the – so i i tend to look at daily hourly weekly and monthly depending on what coin and how far along they are in their cycles mm-hmm. so like bitcoin is definitely on the monthly but i would be monthly and daily just for you know, yeah because if you use bollinger the thing is
1: like you'll 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 go above a bollinger easily um yep. over on and an over hour. and over again on the way up right so yep. it's not that So it's like it's a mixture
2: of that plus the fibs plus maybe an Elliott if you do all that together. Yeah, you have to to combine all of this different data set. And it really depends on what type of trading you're doing, right? If Mm -hmm. you're doing very short-term trading, if you scale into like the hourly or the 30-minute, your Bollinger's, they all do kind of a similar thing to when you expand out. It's just at a smaller scale. So if you're only looking at little tiny moves, then... Yeah, so it really depends on what your trading style is. If it's longer term or if it's really short term.
1: Yeah, 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 for sure. Um yeah, are you do are you a momentum trader or not? Is the question? Yep. Exactly. So um, it I'm depends on what a, I'm
0: doing. Sometimes
1: sometimes really. I
2: do a little bit of both.
1: Yeah, right. I sometimes want to click a button, so I'll like <laughs> you know, want to buy some shit just for the fuck of it, like on a momentum move, just because. Yep. Like, oh, look, it's breaking out. I'll get some, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah, one of the things, I mean, from, from an interesting perspective, it looked like I was charting like uh, Zeph, Luna, Lunk, and USCC. And it looked to me like Luna, Lunk, and USCC are following the, the style of move, not the same heights of moves, obviously but the style of the move, but about a 14-day delay, which I thought was very interesting. So I'm kind of just watching that to see if it continues on that trajectory or not. Yeah, another interesting strategy I've been using this
1: year that I think I did less of before is you take the prior high, you take the low, you draw a FIB retracement series on every chart that you're using. So that way what you can do is you can flip through each chart and go wait a minute like how high up the retracements has this particular coin gone back towards its prior high, right? So you can immediately tell like which coins appear to have more strength. So take for example, Akash has already gotten almost back up to its last fib before all-time high whereas something like Luna got to two fibs um off its bottom and then kind of like and did terrible in the sense that it dumped below even the first fib and uh and crashed all the way back down and now is at resistance back at its very first fib um like uh another one that's very similar to that is litecoin it's sort of down in the doldrums only at its first fib level um dogecoin is even below its first fib level so it's actually done in some sense worse than both luna and um uh, <laughs> and uh um like in this respect so like i think the relative strength is interesting um but i also have this concept that like in a bull run everything runs so it's like if you're trying to cycle out of something and you want to go to sort of something relatively lower risk one of the benefits of going to one that hasn't pumped yet is maybe it won't pump that much but like at least then you don't have much to lose at that point either Right. So like the downside risk has already been is
2: relatively mitigated because it hasn't pumped at all. Yeah, exactly. And it's I mean, that's the best thing you can do is try to find where the money flows to from one to another to another. Right. And and yeah, although that's that's not. I don't know how and, easy that is to do, though. Oh God, it's not easy at
1: all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because a lot of stuff will make a ten percent move on any given day. It doesn't mean that continues, though. That's the problem, right? right exactly. And then you then you jump from one thing to the other, thinking, "Oh yeah, this is on its way to Valhalla," and it doesn't just do anything, you know. So uh, yeah, tougher to tell. Um, I'm Agreed. definitely not cycling and, anywhere near as much as
2: I used to. Um, the, but the markets are a lot. More strange than they used to be as well. I mean, with the whole meme coin pumps, where mm-hmm. you just really have no idea. All of a sudden, you'll see a meme coin just blow up out of nowhere, and you're like, "All right, so they're sucking." You know, they're, they're taking money out of every other <laughs> out of every other thing to pump this because there's not. They're new taking money some attention, nothing system. else, right? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of just hype pumps in crypto and less actual like what's being developed pumps yeah most
1: people have no idea what they're buying they just they're there for the casino so it's just which is is fine i'm not too worried about that like those same casino buyers tend to float towards quality over time yep so it's not it's not a big deal but at the same time yeah the quality stuff doesn't necessarily catch a bid and like really move um and as we know like price is the most important advertisement really Like the lay public assumes that price equals quality. Like why would anyone be buying this if it wasn't good? So
2: I'm good. And 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 then not only that, but I bought this, so I'm good because it went up in value. (laughs) And you have no idea if there's just bots that are, you know, front running everyone or you know, setting the markets however they want. So
1: Yeah, that like if you look at how some some pumps just seem to happen out of nowhere. Um, you do get the sense that it, some of it's inorganic. Like you'll have right. something going flat. It's not even like a consistent, you know, steady uptrend. It's just like someone had decided that, like, oh, this is a good spot to start all season, and let's cause like this first move to really kind of push, and then after that, like the crowd shows up because price is the biggest advertisement, some billboard basically, right? Yep. I mean, look at how we're looking at these charts. We look at the altcoin charts right now, and it's like, oh, look, Chainlink pumped and this pumped and that pumped and Zephyr pumped. And we we look at that first pump and what does that represent to us after a two-year bull market? It's like, oh, that must be the start of the next bull market. Was that organic? Maybe it was partly. Partly it's like pre-havening, you know, people are getting excited. Maybe partly it's the stock market going up. Maybe, who knows? But there is a feel like I get that, I don't know, at least some of it is just market maker shenanigans.
2: It's almost like we're watching a fireworks show. You, know, uh-huh. you get one firework, go off and then another and then another. Yeah. And then uh, and then, and then all the little kids on the side, and everyone's and like fireworks off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone knows the Fourth of July is coming. And, you know, so, you know, there's going to be some big shows, but there's also a bunch of little side shows going on. Yep. Um, as As kids pop off their little firecrackers and stuff everywhere. Yeah, there's like, so the BTC happening is almost like the 4th of July for crypto. Yeah, exactly. It's like an, it's a pre advertised sort of like event date and people plan around it. So, it, so maybe what we're looking at is thinking, oh, maybe some of this is quote unquote manipulation. Isn't really so much like a conspiracy. It's just like the natural like effect of having, you know, something on a calendar like that. Like you have to imagine like fires, tracker scale sales go up leading up to the 4th of July. Like, that's not a conspiracy. It's just, it's just the nature of the holiday. And yeah, maybe it's just like that. That's all it takes. It's just an event every so often. Mm, But anyway, yeah, it's like things are kind of suddenly, and I don't, I don't know how much, like, I'm not really sure. Do you get a sense of how much, uh, I wonder how much like, um, you know, like manipulation et cetera is happening on the Zephyr side. I have no idea. I, I, it's really tough to tell what is or isn't organic, right?
2: Yeah, Zeph is interesting to me because when you look at just the, the hash rate and how it's growing, I mean, we've only, we've stolen maybe like, what, half a, what what is it, giga hash or something for one giga hash from, from Mon- uh, Monero. But it seems like it's more of an organic growth of people actually looking at it and wanting to be a part of it. But don't no, Although it's easy to tuck ourselves into that, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, what is objectively our certainty that 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 there's new but people? It, but I mean, I I see it whenever I post something about mining Zephyr. I get DMs on how to do it from from different people. And do you do you, are you getting some new folks that you haven't seen before? Yeah, I've had three or four people ask about it, and you know, wanting to set up multiple rigs. And it seems like seems like most people once they start to mine something they want to have like it's kind of an addiction you want to have more and more mining rigs so you get like (laughs) them. i mean i have i have three running there you go and i mean the one i bought specifically for zephyr because i actually believe in what they're trying to do because it just makes sense right but i went out and bought you know a, a rig that i i plan on having that run for A long, long period of time.
1: Yeah, I I bought mine specifically for this. So there's no other computing purpose I have laid out for those at all. They're just exactly. Um, I've mined like almost six zephyrs so far. Definitely the the reward rate's gone down considerably, though. Oh, big time! It seems like this last week is what
2: I've mined so far. You've got how much? uh, Eleven zephyr. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Did you start before I did? I just started like late November. Yeah, I started, well, so I, I went all out on my rig. I did a, a double 77.42 Epic rig. Oh, shit. Okay. So, that's why you got <laughs> so much. <laughs> yeah. So how it, much is that it's cost cranking you?
1: along pretty nicely. So I've never used an Epic chip. Like, how much did that cost you? Like, what was the setup? Uh,
2: so, what I, I probably could have done it a lot cheaper, but when it comes to mining rig stuff, I tend to just buy everything brand new just because yeah, I don't trust it. Yeah, that's what so I looking do the other stuff. So I think I was about um, somewhere in like the five grand range for the whole setup. And I mean, one epic setup was five grand. Yeah. So it's two, two epic chips, Uh motherboard, 16 sticks of RAM. um, And what is that hashing like with that device? Around a hundred, but it's in a very small It's in a very small, compact area, right? So I'm not taking up a ton of space to run. Right, right. No, for sure, like, if you have space constraints
1: or power constraints, that that's, yeah, you can spend a lot more on the rig. Um, And the the 3950, I think that the rig cost me about, like, mm, just, like, maybe 900 bucks. And that's hashing at um, about 22,000. Yeah. So, it would take about 5000 bucks to
2: get to 100K. So, it's pretty equivalent. It's just mine's in a smaller form factor, and you got to spend that up front rather than, you know, yeah. getting rig after
1: rig after rig. I thought about getting an Epic the second time. The thing is, like, what am I going to do with Epic chips afterwards? So, then it's like, I've got to figure out where to get rid of them at some point.
2: Uh, you Which, just have your own server, and you can transfer your own data to your own server set and everything else. That's essentially what my plan was oh, just use it as a server. Yep. Um,
1: Yeah, not a bad idea. But, like, again, it's a gigantic amount of computing power for your own
2: server. Yeah, but, I I mean, it's almost silly. So, I was thinking about, I was thinking about turning into a CAD workstation if, if, say, something with Zeph doesn't work out. So then, yeah, I mean, if it's all running from that and it's just cranking along because there's, you know, 512 uh, gigabytes of RAM. RAM, (laughs) And there's, 256 cores on my system so i mean it's that's a shit ton of ram man like that's yeah, i know so yeah like
1: yeah i think then probably on average the 7950 is probably the better buy for most people because like you could sell oh, that for, you could sell that for half the price anytime and you'd actually find buyers on ebay yep um so like even if you only made 50 percent of the value of your computer you would break even and you, you, you know you could sell it if you wanted to if you wanted to um, no problem but yeah like right now the hash rate is running like let's see 2.17 gigahash so you just you do get the fluctuation of course
2: but it's been steadily rising for sure The so the other part of why the server side is nice is servers are meant to run you know pretty well maxed out for long long durations of time mm-hmm. so I felt like stability would be a nice bonus on that so i kind of just went that right route it was definitely more of a pain in the ass to set up than like a regular computer or a regular mining rig yeah <laughs> that's, for <sure. laughs> that's for sure i ran into my own issues where i didn't realize that i needed ecc ram and so it mm-hmm. went so the first week i was like shit <laughs> i did the same thing i bought the wrong <laughs> damn ram
1: for my amd4 <laughs> motherboard and the first the, no, the md5 motherboard and the first go-round about the wrong damn ram I didn't realize there was a difference. I never built an AMD computer before. I have no idea. So I kind of fucked that up. So I have some extra chunks of hardware sitting around that I didn't use. <laughs> Just funny. Like probably like now the Zephyr that I've mined has like compensated for the shit hardware that I bought <laughs> leftovers.
2: But yeah, like one of the uh, things that I was thinking would be really a good idea for Zeph for, you know, adoption and, and other things is, Creating point of sale devices that mine the coin itself. So, you know, if you had a company that, say, like a sandwich shop wanted to to accept Zephyr ZSD as a currency, mm-hmm. they could have these little point of sale devices that are mining the co- mining Zeph and building them, you know, more money on on a foundation, decentralizing the network, and then since it has the stable dollar component. They can actually transact where normally with crypto, one of the biggest issues is there's yeah. not stability. So I'm like, ah, this coin just makes so much and, sense.
1: You need stability and privacy, generally both. Yeah, exactly. Use it in a any robust way. Um, yeah, the the tricky thing about all that is like most companies don't want a lot of new hardware and things. It's like, how do you get something like this to incorporate, say, into say, for example, a Shopify plugin? Right. So the way to do this would be like if the developers could create a plugin um, that you know a Shopify e-commerce site, which is pretty common nowadays, you could just simply like turn it on, don't have to pay any fees or anything. Just turn it on, and now you can accept on any website. that would be cool. That'd be very cool. Um I used Monero recently to pay for my subscription to that Mulvad VPN we talked about the other day that's been that's been working really well by the way um if people haven't tried that it's really good
2: do you have have that set up for your mining rigs as well are you running it through a vpn or are you just running it direct
1: Mm, the 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 mining rigs i just ran it direct through my um uh just directly through my um gateway i didn't do anything too fancy there um although i'm not too worried about that like you know, because the wallet address is essentially anonymous too, right? So, like, who writes at that point? Hey, I just I want to ask: so
4: what is the difference between the centralized VPN and the decentralized like Movad? You know, can
1: you so, tell me the difference between these two? There's no difference. The the it's still just a VPN. Movad's not decentralized. It's just a VPN service you can pay for it with Monero, so you don't have to provide any personal information when you use it. So, like nobody knows it's you that's using that VPN and nobody can go to the VPN service and find out who used it because your personal data is not in there. Try it and see. It's pretty, it's free. I mean, it's free to try to think, but um, you can, you can hook it up and see what it does. And then you can pay for it with Monero, which is cool. So I went to a Mexi or somewhere, bought Monero, sent it to it and I paid for a couple years subscription and it's a really, really clean VPN. It works simpler and less bloatware than like nord and stuff and it works great i've had no problems with it at yeah.
4: all so do you know some project in the cosmos like neem something okay. building like a, uh, some decentralized
1: vpn services or something yeah, like there's that already do you one, have it it's like? dv it's called dvpn yeah there's already one dvpn check it out that has been yeah. out for years you could you can pay for it with dvpn tokens basically if you'd like to but um, is there a successful not,
4: project or failed project
1: it's what successful project or failed project um i presume it works i haven't used their deep uh, deep um, i haven't used their specific service um, uh timmy suggested uh molvad and he said it's really really good and um so i tried it but i never actually tried dvpn's service to know Trying to see, like, is there a... Like, where do you use it? Let me see. Hold on a second. Uh, anyway, it's out there. Um, it's called Sentinel Sentinel.co. So it's actually called Sentinel. DVPN is the token name. And you can run nodes. You can, like, download Sentinel DVPN. Yeah, I, I don't know, like, how... Um, decentralized, like how much it helps the like anonymity of the thing uh, in terms of detecting who you are and where. And, but I think you can be running a node. I believe you can be one of the VPN providers in a sense, which is interesting. I don't know how that works, but does that expose Mm -hmm. you to like some problems? (laughs) I'm not sure, (laughs) Um, but I think there's like a phone app and some other stuff coming. Uh, for it and so i think it was only desktop only initially which is kind of the negative point for dvpn that says coming soon there's a um like a phone app i think but mulvat mm-hmm. is not a crypto anything they just accept monero for the payment so that you don't have to you can pay them completely anonymously without using like paypal or without using credit card and uh, it's worked really really well I'm, i've had no problems with it at all it works great on phone it works great on um uh it seems like it connects perfectly every time Worked good on desktop yeah it's really
4: so good why you, you say you like paying something like 5 dollar six, 10 dollar but it will not you know well, uh, expose your wallet address but the buyer said the, the, the transaction transaction is valid so you whenever you buy something it doesn't matter where do you have yes, pay paying from what you know, it is totally assumable that you buy these things, and the value of this product is like something like eight dollars or nine dollars. You know what I'm trying to say. It can easily assume what you buy. So why you think buying a centralized product from a you know
1: from monero token? What is the benefit of that? No, because they don't have your information in it at all. You don't—they don't have your name, your first name, your last name. Nothing. It's pure, pure anonymous. So when you use Monero, nobody can track where that came from. And when they don't take any of your personal information, they don't take any information. So it's, you're completely anonymous, right? So it's like that's the way to be totally non. So, for example, if you're in India and you want to like buy crypto and shit, that's what you do. You get a VPN, you run it through Switzerland or something. You can buy and sell whatever you want. No one's going to stop you at that point. So, yeah, it's there's no way to de, there's no way to really rationally detect that who you are either. Right. Because your crypto address is anonymous as well at that point, because you didn't go through any kind of KYC destination at that point. So it works quite nicely. Anyway, but. Uh, oh, what's, uh, Ivan was here a second ago and disappeared. I'm not sure where he went. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of like a it works well i don't know it depends on what you want to use it for too i used it because like to pick to claim airdrops and stuff they were checking to see which country you were from and some of them were blocking a lot of vpns and with Molvad, some of those services actually got me through and i was able to claim some airdrops that's why i changed with yes. nord like, so they're widely published yeah. vpn addresses and so like vpn blockers would not let you use uh stuff from nord so you do work in Hawaii, in my place? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hawaii. <laughs> um, you're acting like someone's actually monitoring Twitter spaces. If who's who, nobody's care. Nobody's here that knows anything like that. Um, like m- most countries do not have like some sort of enforcement apparatus where they're going to chase down randoms on Twitter or whatever for whatever shit they're doing. <laughs> like, it's just not
5: a thing. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Ivan, did Do you have a comment? Yeah. What's up? What's up, everyone? Yeah, man. I just wanted to just touch base with you again on um, wanted to talk some technicals with regarding uh, Zef and what you kind of think. I've been looking a little bit more at the at the chart. And I had mentioned to you like the background that I have is that again, I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. really big crypto guy, but I like I said, I trade into season forex, and I'm applying the same kind of technical principles that I use there to. Sure. to um you know crypto, and yeah, I don't know. Z- Zeph looks really interesting, especially because like again, I was just looking at I was trying to understand utility wise, like in layman's terms, like what does it do? Like, why is it like what's the value out of it? And um I think it's pretty interesting to see that the hash rate I think has already surpassed um Monero's hash rate. um and then you kind of start to compare like market caps and you have like a pretty big disparity there. Um, and yeah, right now it just looks really good for. Um I'm still waiting for it. It's it's been kind of playing with it, but I'm waiting for a, a clean kind of sweep of like the 157 range and then to kind of put in my um put in my buy limit. So yeah, I don't know. I'm just uh chart looks good. Definitely a retest of all time highs. Looks like right. Yeah, I'd
1: say last time volumes were this low was kind of like the, the September to October level before like the next yeah. run up. Um, now, remember, last time it ran it ran up, there was a reason for that. And that's because suddenly a lot of mining organizations stopped, started posting YouTube videos and a few users started posting YouTube videos. A bunch of small Twitter mm-hmm. accounts started posting about it. Um, I posted about it almost the same time everyone else did. And um, like Up started hearing about it right around that time. We started posting about it, talking about it right after we that time. So there was definitely sort of a social media driven sort of like pump at that time mm-hmm. i don't think you can necessarily make assumptions that that exact same thing will happen regardless of what specific price it was at because i think that was mostly organic Interesting. Uh, so so it's not like well the chart just looked a certain way that's why it pumped no it mm-hmm. clearly pumped because a ton of youtube videos showed up right around that time if you go back to youtube and like pull them up you'll see what i'm talking about yeah and um and then of course hash Race kept climbing along this time period as well because a lot of those youtube channels were, were mining pools and they were like miner type um i think rabid, miner and a few other people that have popular channels yeah they posted and i think all those people bought too but also the twitter um the twitter um account for zephyr went from like a few thousand to like 15,000 followers and right the last few months we only went from like 15,000 followers to maybe 18 something right now I just checked it. Uh-huh. So a big difference in follower count has not arrived necessarily. I definitely put a lot more cash into buying than I did even with the low. So I actually got a lot more on these dips so like seven you know 15 to 17 dollars this range it dipped twice and I got plenty at 17. I bought some at 20, I bought some at 27, 25. So on the way down like once we got below 30 bucks I started adding Mm -hmm. but I definitely got my biggest amount. I would say Um, I don't even know what my average is. I should probably look Um, actually I can calculate that pretty easily, but uh, uh, like whatever um, I'm not particularly very much in the green now because I actually bought at multiple levels. I'm really, to me, like I get the most benefit from the next wave up for sure. Mm -hmm. But like the difference between buying it, like, 12 and 17 is not that much. Yeah. And like, to me at this point, after you get like a 65 to 70% retracement, like, you know, getting a much lower low is probably to me, the gamble. And I don't want to have the price move. So I feel more FOMO here at like 65, 70% retracement. Yeah. And like, you know, am I patient enough to wait with all of my bag only till it goes back to, I don't know, whatever number, ten bucks or something? Like, like the, I don't know. It, it could, you know, how it is. Like these things could go there. Mm-hmm. But am I comfortable writing down whatever I put in down to ten? Sure, I'm uncomfortable. So I'm like, whatever. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I one thing that I one thing that I
5: noticed that I wasn't
1: aware of is like, but, again, but like, I guess what I what I'm saying is what I don't want to have happen is it heads to like two hundred. <laughs> and I didn't bother because I was waiting for even cheaper prices. So to oh, yeah, me, no, 100%, scaling 100%. in is safer. Hundred percent. Like,
5: and I, I already had mentioned that my issue right now is that I think I'm like two days away from like all my USDT fucking finally settling on, uh, uh, on Coinbase basis stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm. I'm just kind of maybe projecting a little bit too. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're
1: hoping that like <laughs> yeah. you're hoping there's a little bit more time to get that in. Yeah. 100% so it, it's probably maybe that, you get I, lucky maybe yeah. that. maybe sometimes I've
5: had that happen with coinbase in the past so and easy. it forced me to wait a week or whatever and it actually worked out in my favor <laughs> yeah that actually happens more often than not it's just like FOMO can be a bitch sometimes yeah it's like it helps you combat your own FOMO right <laughs> yeah one thing that <laughs> well, I wanted true. to mention that I that I thought was interesting is like again in in indices and in forex you kind of have this thing called like um, in, market relationships where like, you kind of have correlating pairs that one kind of like generally, like if, you know, if, if NASDAQ is going up, then so should, you know, the S and P. And that means that's generally bearish for the dollar. That's like a, that's like a very, right, com- right. Like a very common thing. But in, in crypto, what I was having trouble understanding was like, what's that equivalent and correct me if I'm wrong. But one thing that I saw that was interesting was like that. I think it was in April of, uh, looking at the chart right now I think this was April 2021 for Bitcoin let me see I'm just pulling up the chart April 2021 yeah so around like April 2021 or 2022 sorry we kind of had like um we kind of we kind of started having a, a bit of a sell off so Bitcoin was going down I think it went down like 30 40% around that time but in that similar time frame you you actually had altcoins rally like I think like um a good amount so does that have to do with the fact that like, I wasn't aware that like, Bit- like, Bitcoin isn't necessarily associated with like, altcoins going up or down? Would you say they're like relatively independent from each other? No, they're
1: fairly correlated. So what you'll find is broadly, if Bitcoin's running, everything will eventually run. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this concept of the Bitcoin dominance chart, which is like there are periods of time where BTC runs against everything else. And everything else either stands still or or dips a little bit. Yeah, and this is most reflected if you take your coin and go on Trading View and put the uh like find the Bitcoin pairing for that particular coin, and you'll see how this lays out. So a good reference point here would be like Litecoin, the like not not Litecoin, uh, Link BTC would be a good one. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that like. If you use the dollar chart, it shows one thing. But if you use a link BTC chart, it shows like we probably we we have a clear cut reversal. You know, we're like above the 50 day moving average on both the Bitcoin pairing and the USD pairing mm-hmm. and definitely an uptrend. And um, there were times when link just really lost a lot of value compared to BTC. In particular, when that happened was right around that time you were talking about where it was actually like. Um from tw- like August 2020, mm-hmm. like Chainlink already had its run. And then Bitcoin went crazy and had its run. But if you look at the link BTC chart, there's a gigantic plummet because BTC ran so much compared to compared to Chainlink. So you would have done much better um had you um sold your Chainlink gains at that time and transferred into Bitcoin in theory. Interesting. Like so But when it comes to correlation so another thing you might want to there's some i don't know what website has this but it's called the bitcoin dominance um index or whatever and you can sort of see where things are and historically like if btc is way too dominant compared to alts you're Mm -hmm. much better off buying alts right because like the upsides just better there yeah and i think you see that now to a large extent because btc has actually run closer to its all-time high than a lot of alts have run to theirs so classic example be link uh link all-time high was 53 it's at like 15 15 ish right now whereas btc's all-time high was 69k and it already made it to 50k right so it's it's gone higher on its fib levels on its fib retracement levels so that tells you that BTC dominance, you don't even have to find the BTC dominance chart. You can just see where BTC is relative to its high and where everything else is. And that'll give you a sense of like where things are. Now, here's the thing though. Uh, so on TradingView, you can use something called Total3 and it's just spelled T-O-T-A-L-3. And that will pull up the market cap of or the chart of all of the coins excluding BTC and ETH. And okay. you'll notice that like, Total 3 and chainlink have an identical appearance meaning chainlink is not necessarily beating quote unquote the rest of total 3 um if you wanted to like so so total 3 becomes like the altcoin index reference right so you can imagine like you know how people say like you know if you buy a s and 500 index fund like you know you might do better than you know buying some sector or some shit right like indexes have done really well yeah so the index becomes the barometer for like uh the best performance in some ways and if your particular play is doing better than the total three index then great if you're not doing better than the total three index um then not so great so what you can do in trading view and this is a good trick if no one knows what this is it's called total like, three right on trading view they're saying this yeah. is a market cap for okay i didn't know about yeah. that t-o-t-a-l-3 total two is everything including eth minus bitcoin interesting um, and the reason why you want to separate these out is because like your your smaller cap alts are going to like the, the the benchmark would be total three because ETH sort of does, it's, it's such a hard market cap. It, it has too much dominance in the actual index. Mm-hmm. So if you do, but you, another trick you can do in trading View that a lot of people don't know is you can type like link with the forward slash, like the division symbol. Mm-hmm. And then you can type total three next to it. And what that will do is it actually plot your particular coin relative to total three and tell you where you are. And I'm just, I'm just doing that now while we're talking. and Interesting, yeah it shows that um performance is very close to total 3 like it's in fact uh, no i take that back link is actually outperforming total 3 by a little bit um mm-hmm. cuz it's like you know it's it's you'll notice that it has a upward wave relative to total 3 so link actually beat it but if you bring up something else like injective inj um, oh, you know what? I did it wrong. I'm sorry. I Good. typed link, which is interlink electronics, some NASDAQ company. And you have to type link USDT divided by total three. OK, yeah, because the chart, the chart was zeroed out. Yeah, that's what it is. So, yeah, with uh, link um, link USDT divided by total three, it is in the green versus total three. Yes. So let's let me try something else. Let's try um, injective, which actually beat its prior high. Um and let's see, US link injective USDT divided divide by total three. And we get um like, yeah, it just blew it away, right? So like so that's a good way to tell if your altcoin is performing better than everything else or not. Let's look at say Zephyr, for example. It's almost certainly outperforming. Why? Because I mean shit, it it did a 10x or something. So um let me see here. So yeah, lower market cap stuff obviously has a bigger opportunity. But yeah, the ZEF Tuttle 3 looks exactly like the ZEF normal chart. It looks, looks like, because the magnitude is so gigantic, it looks just like
5: the USD chart. Yeah. Another, so, that's, that, thank, you for, thank you for explaining that. That's actually pretty useful, especially considering yeah. like the lack of background. But um, would you say that, like for example, someone brought to my attention the ETH-BTC pair, or like that kind of chart, so it basically plots e, e, um, Ethereum against Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. Right now right now when I look at Ethereum or ETH BTC chart, it looks like it basically kinda had like a a false run on on stops. And right now it's gonna try to target I don't know if you have the chart, but it's around it's around zero five eight and it looks like it wants to go up to the you're talking about ETH BTC? Yeah, ETH BTC. I don't know if you can pull it up. Yeah, I got it. It's you have it on the monthly chart. Uh yeah. Do you see how like to its left it kind of just like it kind of like went, it tried to go below like a swing low from June 2022 and then it kind of rejected it. Now it's going up. Yeah, I see that. So I, now my eyes are immediately drawn to 0.0600, like that kind of swing high from uh, mm-hmm. Septem- September 2022. Uh-huh. So um, because I'm like, my eyes are drawn there and I, it looks like the chart could start to make its way up there. Is that, is ETH BTC bullish, generally bullish for altcoins?
1: It generally is, yes. And the reason why is mm, more than one reason. Um, One is because um, Ethereum has a lot of like trading pairs with other DeFi Layer 1 coins. That's one reason. Okay. The second reason is because Ethereum is where you can take on oftentimes the most leverage Mm -hmm. and borrow against your ETH, get yourself some USDC or Tether, Mm-hmm. send it to whatever exchange you want and buy whatever the hell you want so you know dgens being dgens they tend not to degen at the bottom of the market mm-hmm. they tend to degen more as the price of their particular collateral asset goes up so yeah as eth goes up all coins tend to run with it for sure yeah interesting okay that makes sense but, but let me type let me do eth divided by total three and see what that looks like because so i'm just okay. curious like where that is um yeah, it's it's rising steadily versus total three. So like, ETH may not look as sexy, but compared to a lot of things in total three, it is doing okay. Mm-hmm. Like a shitty performer so far versus total three. Adam has been shitty so far. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually is down on total three to support level again. Um, so yeah, if you wanted Adam cheap, it's cheap relative to the rest of the market. Or let me look at like LTC Litecoin um, total three. I I would imagine it's also weak compared to the rest of the market. Um, Let me see. LTC USDT divided by total three. Yeah. So if you're looking for bargains, which I think some of the time that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Litecoin has actually. uh, Has made no progress. It pumped a little bit and then dropped and then it's. It's at its low relative to total three. So, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you know, that could represent a value buy, right? Like, so that's the thing. Like, discount. It's like at a discount, I guess. Yeah. And so, in it's in a world where everything runs, and you're like, well, shit. Like, most of the the downside has been like, you know, squeezed out of this thing already. Like, an argument can be made to grab the stuff that is truly bottomed out versus total three. But it's not going to zero, right? Like these things are like giga high, just super high hash rates. Like lick litecoin's almost one X a hash. It's priced at cheaper than the cost of mine. Dogecoin's the same thing, by the way. It bled out versus Total Three back to its support level. Mm-hmm. So um, it's back to bear market like 2022 bear market support again. So yeah. So these are both at levels where it's like the risk is super low in them now. So, yeah. you know, even if they only do a two x, who gives a shit, right? It's like free money at that point, <laughs> like, yeah. you know. hundred so, percent. Yeah, or you almost no. don't have to like risk anything. Like, what? Why not? Yeah, it's pretty defined the risk. I see what you mean. Yeah, like right it's now, defined. It's like the the risk is our the downside's been squeezed out of the lemon or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah that, that's totally fair. A, a, a couple like like, like if you were gonna short it, you'd you'd have to lose your mind to short Litecoin or Doge at these levels, right? You'd have yeah. to be a complete moron.
5: Yeah. Right, so that means it's probably a good buy. <laughs> yeah, 100%. on the other side, I think um, a last kind of thing that I wanted to mention is that when I look at um, the reason I kind of feel like when you might get like because generally, again, generally they're not always connected, but and you know, like an indices and forex is a really big seasonality aspect where like mm-hmm. the market has certain certain personality traits in certain seasons or certain quarters, and we're going yeah, yeah. into a time of year where at least within the next at least within the next month and a half where the market likes to kind of sell off and it likes to kind of agree. uh, It kind of likes to bottom around like, you know, March. And then from March to like, you know, you can argue it's like July is generally kind of like the distribution. Like that's where like the yearly candle will really print to the upside. Yeah. And Um, then there's, yeah, there's a little bit of that like go away during the summer type
1: of thing. Although, although last year, um we didn't have that much of a sell-off for summer it actually did stock mark stocks were already sort of wrecked like previous october and
5: by summer it was still running i think exactly so it, generally it'll like to run into like mid of middle of august and then middle of august you kind of have like a sell-off going into september october as yeah how, however like
1: long a- like if you if if markets are flat between now and um and uh summer then they probably could run in the summer if mm-hmm. they run like anytime before that summer will probably dump yeah, somewhere the downward wave has to show up, right? Like it's just like, yeah. if it comes early, fine. If it comes late, whatever. I'm hoping like, so I have a pile of shit in stocks, and so my hope is that like, now that this Bitcoin ETF thing played out, that maybe what will happen is the the very luckiest scenario for me in the stock market would be that all of my stocks either stay the same, like stablecoin style. Keep printing me dividends. Maybe go up if I'm lucky. And if for some reason BTC takes a little bit of a dump, like you know, thirty k or something like that, basically, yeah. Then I'm then I'm buying in like at that yeah. point because like I can yeah. just con- I can just sell all my stock at that point, and just buy in. Yeah. The other thing too is like if I wait, um, if this happens like around summer, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my shit will be in long-term capital gains on the stock market side, so I can just sell all that shit too, with like less law,
5: less ca- less taxes. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's totally valid. Right now, like one kind of play that I'm thinking is like I'm. I mentioned like my what I what I have currently right now. I bought I bought Cubic, and my goal right now is once I get my shit settled, that I'm going to buy Zeph and then I'll probably <laughs> buy some Link as well. Just because you, you kind of got me like looking at Link a little bit, and the chart looks good. That's why I feel like I'm like betting on it too, but. I think like a really safe play too in the stock market wise to kind of like, I'm Mm -hmm. kind of thinking of it as like a, a savings account on steroids. I think that, I think that Tesla shares like for the year, generally for me, like I know some people don't like Tesla or they, they're like, you know, they, they hate it or whatever. You either love it or you hate it, but I generally feel like Tesla is not going anywhere. And I think they're relatively undervalued market cap wise. So like anywhere from like, the range where it is right now, like $190. If I know, the-
1: let me, let me give you the contrarian view on Tesla just for a second. Cause I okay. bought Tesla at like 106 or something. Uh-huh. And I sold it at about, um, I think it was like, I, I'm losing my memory now, but like 177, something like that. Yeah. And, um, I sort of like ran that move and then I distributed that into like other stuff that has more dividends at the yeah. time. um, and most of those things also went up some like, you know, I, I didn't lose much by not being in Tesla the whole time. But my yeah. problem with Tesla is this. It has a market cap bigger than all the other car companies combined. That's my first problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The second is like it's P.E. ratio is 70. Most other car companies are like 10 or something yeah. like that. Like Toyota is still at like 10, I think. Yeah. So I, I don't know that it's undervalued by market cap. It's undervalued. I mean it's a little bit lower market cap at 700 billion compared to say, for example, other tech companies. Yes. Yeah. But the bet on Tesla is like a bet on self-driving, you know, full FSD coming up full self-driving and it's a bet on their robot stuff becoming a big thing, which is quite possible, mm-hmm. but it's got a lot of baked in multiple on that PE as a car company. That's for yeah. sure. So The thing is like, I would be comfortable with Tesla at a way lower price than here. And I've been burned by this before, by the way, like not burned, but like I've seen this happen before where Apple used to have like a really high market cap. It used to have like a PE of like 30 ish way back in, you know, before Steve jobs died, Mm -hmm. Steve jobs dies and the fucking thing tanks like 45%. Like, and then I don't remember what it was, but when I was buying Apple again, I sold it after a 10% drop off the top, I think. And then I bought it back in after it like really, um, like settled in. And the P's for Apple have gone down as low as like 12 to 15. We're talking Apple during the heyday of smartphones and shit. Yeah. So the thing about Tesla is I think it's fine if you own it. Like my sister-in-law has a fuck ton of Tesla, but is this something that I would be buying now versus like, other things that are cheaper i don't know about that like you know like mm. i would be more intent i would be more inclined and i did buy like i'd be more inclined to buy like litecoin than i would tesla at this point i'm I'm that like convinced that tesla is running high um it's not that you could like like if you say could you throw a million bucks or some significant portion of your network in the, in the tesla at this price the answer is no like you could always i'm not saying don't get any tesla Mm-hmm. I could be completely wrong in terms of like price action, but my point yeah. is like it's not at a safe level, I would say. Like right. even Apple's not at a safe level right now. It's got like a 30 PE ratio and the freaking thing, like, you know, people are buying less cell phones and their revenue's dropping and stuff. So people have gotten a lot of these stocks because the cash had nowhere else to go, because like cash in the stock market, like so many of the Russell stuff was kind of like looking weak. And the tech stuff pumped because like tech people like tech has, doesn't have much debt and it actually makes money. And so all these tech companies that were in the green in terms of making money and not in much debt, they really did well like the last couple of years. But is that going to persist that way? I'm not sure, man. Like, um, so, I yeah, Tesla is definitely on my watch list in the sense that like, if I get it below 150 bucks, I'll be really, really happy. hmm above that it makes me very very nervous um to add a whole lot so i have a, I have a few shares that i hold on to of it just to kind of keep it on the portfolio That's some way it's on my watch list and i can watch the relative performance of it but um yeah like right now like i would say if you're looking for store of value in the stock market it's probably energy and the reason is because like energy had a run up and the saudis and whoever have been like you know pumping out more oil lately and um if you have a dip in the oil sector um like you know just something simple like ExxonMobil or whatever um you're not going to get necessarily huge gains but like at this level what's his pe ratio now i don't even know um i don't have it up right now but um yeah like at you know the thing about oil is that like or petrochemical is you can basically scale into it exponentially so like, let's say you buy a dollar worth of it now at $100, it drops to 90 bucks, you can buy $2 worth and it drops to 70 bucks, you can buy $4 worth. In fact, you could probably do way more than that. It's like one, three, nine. You can basically exponentially buy petrochemical stuff all the way to the bottom and it's not going to zero, right? Like, yeah. you know, for sure, Exxon Mobil's not disappearing next week. So that's a good way to deal with that. Tesla, same story right now. I'd say like, if you were to buy it, I would scale in. If you're fresh to Tesla today. You'd be like you get a little bit now and you scale in as the price drops but don't get too much here i think there's better yeah. buys in the market too
5: yeah no that's that's fair i think that that's my yeah. general take. yeah no that, that's fair. thanks for thanks for the insight i appreciate it and yeah that, that's kind of the, the play in my head was like yeah because because we were probably going to bottom i'm expecting for indices and for um the do, like i'm expecting for a dollar to go to all-time to go to like not all-time lows but to go lower in 2024 and i'm expecting indices to go like the all-time highs in 2024 at least like once we kind of bought them out in March so that's why I was kind of thinking that if everything's kind of running and I know that generally when when Tesla likes to run it likes to run like very aggressively so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's kind of the idea but no yeah, and
1: Tesla has a lot of nice like um meme effect because of exactly Elon and stuff but you also have to bear in mind like if you have any serious amount of Tesla that stock will take a beating from hell if something happens to him, like he died or something. I'm not wishing it upon him. I'm just saying that's what happened to Apple with Steve Jobs. And I had a gigantic fuck ton of Apple stock. So I know exactly what that looked like. And my point is that there's like a bit of a a cult of Elon risk to the stock for sure. Like, you know, for sure, the stock's going to take a nosedive by 50% with that PE ratio, if something happens to him. So, so that's the only like, thing about yeah it could be blue chip in a sense but that doesn't negate certain level of volatility whereas with like let's say microsoft or something like yeah it'll go down some if some ceo or something happens to him but probably like the company's not reliant entirely on that particular ceo or whatever
5: right yeah no that's that's valid when you can you talk a little bit more about if, if you don't mind just last question mm-hmm. about, about link you were talking about the etf i wasn't aware of that and like where you kind of i guess see that putting link right now Right now, when I look at link, it just looks like it was in a large accumulation phase and it just broke yeah, out yeah. of the accumulation phase. And now it's probably going to want to like, I don't know, go higher. It doesn't look like it wants to go lower. That's for sure. Yeah. Link, um, uh, first
1: of all, the no ETF for link specifically has been announced, but there is a grayscale trust. Uh, yes. Grayscale link like ticker. Yes. I don't remember what the ticker actually is, but like it ran crazy. It went to like fucking like instead of being worth 15 bucks, it went to like 75.
5: Oh, damn
1: who was running this thing like a meme coin i have no idea but someone bought a shit ton of this and it like ran i have no idea what the deal is is that a bellwether for link running uh maybe like it was an advertisement certainly a lot of people mm-hmm. probably like huh, oh, what's this and it's probably like a direct advertisement for a link i believe in the price meme effect where people like research shit that goes up in price they're like huh, oh, mm-hmm. what's that and then they, you know then they might go buy the real link yeah. uh, but the coin yeah like it's um it's like already like it's fib is at 1580 like $12 is it's, you know, fit below that at the most recent jan- early January dump, it jumped almost to 12 bucks and kind of hit that already. So since then, it's been kind of climbing back up and now it's back up to testing that resistance. Um, this exact zone and this exact time period was where this was support and then a dump back in uh, like February, no, January of last year, twenty. 20- no, 2022. I'm sorry. So it's like almost creating a a mirror image of the the previous dump from the bull run. And it's just sort of like so you can almost estimate if you just basically did like a fractal mirror image, you'd be back to all time high for links somewhere between like August and September mm-hmm. with current like tr- price trajectories and stuff. If you just kind of extrapolate. And that makes sense, too, because like if you just think about how these markets move, how crypto moves. And where we'll be like by past September, you know, like by next September, you could definitely imagine Chainlink still at it. You know, that's a 3x from here, actually over a 3x to get back to all time high. So the good thing is it's not too like it's not too overpumped, It's not too overhyped. And it doesn't have a lot of like, I don't know, like meme coin FOMO shenanigans built into it. So I think the, it's more fairly priced at this level. So yeah. like worst case, if I'm buying, I bought it at 14 again, by the way, but like worst case to me when I bought it at 14 was, okay, it goes back to 12. I'll add some there. Two-day moving average like 10 bucks. Okay. Maybe it goes there. I'll add some there. Mm-hmm. And after that, it's going to run. Like it's, it's had a 180, no, not 100, has a one and a half year consolidation range, um, between $8 and $5. Right. So like a long sideways. Yeah. Accumulation. It better,
5: I just said say that as accumulation.
1: Exactly. It has an accumulation range with a 200-day moving average that has basically been flat for like a year. That's a really good sign of like, that's legitimately a floor price for this coin. Like at the bottom of the bear market, first of all, 476, 476 was a shitty low. I mean, we're talking like, you know, a high of $53 down to $4.76. Yeah, it's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. So, I mean, that's pretty natural for crypto, like going down over 90% is natural for crypto. But remember, the interesting thing about that is that's what happened to Ethereum before its giga run, right? Like Ethereum, if you were like, if you were hanging around here back in the day, like ETH, like back in those days, like, um, I mean, the last time I bought any ETH at serious size was like, um, like, when it dipped to hundred bucks, like that was the last time I bought ETH. Um, and then I bought a little bit here and there just to fuck around, but like nothing serious. Mm-hmm. But like, if you go back to that, you know, downturn yeah. where it yeah. pulled back 97%, that was the harbinger of the giga run for ETH. Right. Cause like that is true, every, yeah. think about it. Like every seller was basically exhausted at a 90%, 95% retracement link. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's out that didn't want to hold it. Right. Mm -hmm. And everyone like, so you only have the diamond handed, whatever, smart money, whatever the fuck you call it, like left. So to me, that's really super bullish, like for a really big run. So some people are arguing for the mega run for Chainlink, which would be like, it's Ethereum run. Um, Now, does that actually materialize? Hell if I know, like, you know, you know how these things are. Yeah. Layer ones have a bit more network effect than Chainlink would, right? Like, the average consumer has no idea why they have a chain link. Like they have no purpose of owning link tokens. They're not buying anything with them. They're not paying gas fees with them. None of that shit. Right. Yeah. So the downside with link would be, it's not a layer one and therefore doesn't have that network effect. The plus side is, well, you know, if you just hold this at this price, it's almost going to go up no matter what, if you wait long enough right that's that's so it's like a low it's a low risk high quality play in my opinion like so that's how to look at link it's not going to zero they didn't have any sec shenanigans there's no fud um it does have a founder risk like if something happened to Sergey or whatever like you know probably you're going to have a tank you know in the price almost surely um but it doesn't need sergei navrov anymore it like has tons and tons of developers and um just a giant group of people running that show so that's kind of a plus side. I don't know. It's it's a. I think it's a good overall pick for the season. Um, if you believe like this is Link's season, people were not like even last season. I I, I kid you not. Like Link ran from like uh, twenty nineteen. It was thirty five cents. It ran to fifty three bucks. That's a pretty good run, I would yeah. say.
5: Right? Yeah. Okay, that, that's crypto for you, literally. In fact, that's a Zephyr run.
1: I mean, in a nutshell.
5: Yeah. Right? Like, that's a
1: zephyr run right
5: there. But, it's, but that's but it's going to happen again though because it's going to one thousand first.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the difference is that the market caps, um, the coin supply and market caps are very different numbers for these. But like, yeah. But at this point, like for Chainlink to run from five bucks to like maybe I have fib levels at one hundred two, one hundred forty three, two hundred thirty four dollars, five hundred ninety thousand one hundred. Does this do some kind of ridiculous move to like? <clears throat> 100 plus million market cap i think 100 plus million market cap for chain link would be like nominal and normal compared to all the other shit in this market yeah. so that would put it that at, like uh what um you know it's like 10 billion market cap now yes yeah, if, like yeah. if you go to 150 bucks you're talking about going to like a 10 extra billion yeah. yeah that'd be like the, the 10 billion the 100 billion market cap number would be right at like 150 fifty dollar link something like that right yeah so that would be at a normal level if it does like an eth level run where it goes even higher um you know then and it goes like to 200 billion something ridiculous then you're talking about just crazy numbers um and you're talking about like 300 hundred dollar link is that going to happen oh man like historically it has not um so i'm going to assume that historically it will not this time either <laughs> yeah. um there's something about like nuts and bolts plays like you know uh, infrastructure-type plays that they do okay over time, but they don't run as big as the most popular stuff. Mm. Like, you know, like, think about Cisco systems versus Apple. Which one has a bigger market cap? Apple, because yeah. it's more, it's like a household name, right? Yeah. Who the hell knows what Cisco does? Nobody. So, like, yeah. even though it, like, you, you know, half the internet runs on it or some shit, like, yeah. you, don't, you know, you own, you know, Apple, but you don't know what the hard drive manufacturer for your Apple phone is. You have no idea. Like, you know, yeah. So like infrastructure plays are kind of mediocre as far as like price action. They just don't have as much narrative effect. Um, they're safe, but they're not like great narrative effect. And they dump also in the market dumps. So it's like you don't even get that, that safety. Um, so infrastructure, that's why it's like they don't tend to be classified as growth stocks. And I think Chainlink is in that category. Like That's why like, I have to really debate when I'm going to sell the thing. Do I want to run the thing up to like, Crazy fib levels, or do I say, you know what? If it makes it to one one hundred or one hundred forty dollars this season, I'm out. That's kind of where I'm thinking with Chainlink. Like I'm not married to Chainlink necessarily. I, I'm like kind of. There's other people that are like, oh yeah, it's going to run quadrillions of transactions. It's going to be the biggest fucking thing in TradFi. Blah blah blah. And some people are like, you should just hold this for ten years and not even look at it again. They're probably right. <laughs> like I'm probably going to fumble this bag by selling this and then not you know buying it back. But I feel like if it makes a you know, cycle top this season at like somewhere between 100 to 140 bucks, I'd be pretty comfortable with the amount of money I've made on it. And that's probably a good
5: enough reason to sell. You know what I mean? Like who cares like what it does ten years from now? Yeah, no, you never you never go broke, I guess, like they say taking taking profits, right? Taking so. some money off the table
1: and then like yeah. reinvesting later, right? And not only that, but like I mean, if it could go from fifty three dollars down to five dollars and that's the consolidation range for this last session, um, there's no telling that it doesn't go back to like, you know, you know, no matter how high it goes, it might go back to thirty dollars. Who the hell knows, right? Like You may just give up most of your gains if you wait. But I think at this level, like if you're a long-term chain link investor, I think this like $5 to fifteen dollars level is very rational if you just want to hold forever. Like if I want to hold a bag and this is the price I want to get it at, it makes sense. The people, you know how the people that come in like all ideologic, like, a year from now a year and a half from now when the, you're in the top of a bull market and like oh my god Chainlink's going to change the world that's the danger period because if you're buying as an investor you could be bag holding for many many years right so buying crypto tops is brutal um if you have to wait out that whole time period and a lot of people don't you know they get ideolog- idealistic and they put in like a lot more money than they should and what happens is is that like on the way down their idealism for the company starts to wane. Like they're like, what the fuck's going on here? The thing's dropping 90%. And then somewhere down the way, they're like, oh, I can't afford this much loss. And they sell. Right. That's a problem. Um so this is the problem like like the investable price and the price you would buy if you're like a buy and hold investor. This is a different thing than like some speculative price or something like that. Right. Like but the higher up in the market you go, the less money you should be spending like by orders of magnitude right it's that simple like <laughs> like at the tops of the market you should be spending almost nothing if not like or whatever just because the liquidity will just suddenly leave right it's like a gigantic rug pool um
5: yeah no that's that's those are all valid points thank you for um thanks for the conversation like it's it's good to have some someone that like i don't know give some some context especially when i'm a little yeah yeah just bouncing to... bounce around yeah it's like especially if you're new to the thing for sure for sure all yeah, right man I'll let you. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk soon. My my shit's gonna settle soon. I can finally fucking buy that. So <laughs> you can play with some zephyr. Yeah, That's for sure. Cool. All right. Bye, All right, right, so man. Good. Peace out.
1: Yep. Later, man. <laughs> anyway, what do you think, King? Any other ideas today? Sophie, you never let me like finish telling you about like what it does. What <laughs> which does?
3: So, so like aside from like the DAO, like it allows me to like connect an NFT collection, right? mm mm-hmm. So like with knowing what we have with IBC, right? Like you can store any asset in that specific wallet, right? Uh-huh. So whether it be Atom, whether it be like Osmo, whether it be like uh whatever, right? right. Um as long as that uh wallet supports uh that IBC asset. Um so one of the marketplaces that I've been looking at um, is Omniflix, um purely because like um, it gives me like uh, I F P S right, but um, it gives me two G B. Not many marketplaces give you that um, storage right, so that's a lot of space right. You can do a lot of things with that. Um, but aside from like the creativity, like uh, the creative side of it, like the more importance is like how are people going to benefit right? So when I said revenue, I meant like uh, you can pay one time and then like monthly you can receive like uh, yield and like super high yield because you can leverage like your DAO uh, using your to things like uh, those uh, specific liquidity pools which are paying more than like 1000% APR, right? And then you can just like reward the holders, even though it's manually for now, like yeah, so plan
1: on. I get it. So you're running like a little like almost like a little hedge fund. You are sort of like monitoring this. You're making adjustments to the holdings, maybe adding some things, whatever. And in theory, that's going to benefit those people, members of the DAO. It's like a it's like a. You know, investor DAO kind of thing, which is fine. Yeah, that's one of the we were talking about this yesterday with the team. I'm not with the team, but with like um, other people that were using DAO. And um, how that could benefit people um, as far as members of the DAO. And it's almost like being a member of a hedge fund, pretty much. It's the idea. Like an investment to DAO, essentially. Which is cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty safe, right? Like, the alternative was like,
3: um, you mentioned Enterprise, which is already set up. So the whole way I, I like looked at it was like um there's someone specific that like is involved in like the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't set up an enterprise already. So like either way, like if, if if this way doesn't work, like there's an alternative, right? So um there's DAOs on both ends. So if whatever we need right now, like I just need to like focus like on um you know, probably like marketing, but like uh, that's not like my forte. Like I, I'm more into like the research and and keep on uh, seeing which way like more like strategy, uh, strategy right? Like that's a bit uh, better way of saying. It.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's almost entirely based on just kind of, you know, creating a group of friends or something and start building a network and making it bigger. And I think it'll get easier to do and more interesting to people when more. Like I said before, when the the real yield from the trading opportunities increases over time, because like the number of tools you have within that DAO improves right now, it's 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 still a bit rudimentary to me uh, what's possible with DAO DAO and even with yield most and stuff. Right. So like, uh, I don't know, you'd have to have like really some bot trading type of thing or something and a few more types of assets that you can trade between would also be very, very helpful. And um, the ability to do that all within the DAO structure and then someone um tasked you with the ability to do all these trades and whatever then now you're just messing with other people's money and trying to sort of make more and then ultimately like you could create a system where you as the fund manager you know get some of the yield as a result of um this so like some of the profit goes to you specifically because you're you're managing this fund for people so that can be kind of cool like it could be a thing too like if you have newbies coming to the market like they don't know anything and they don't know what to buy and what to trade and you're like okay well there's this kind of a thing it's almost like an etf you know you can like pitch it as something like that like where now you'd have to want to make sure that like Dow is going to be around forever because if it's not well how do you manage this thing if something breaks right like a front end or something <laughs> like you don't want to so that's the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous about putting it into ecosystems and then like um, instead of you just managing it with a regular wallet, like what happens if this infrastructure breaks? Then what? Like how are people going to access their money, right? So I don't know how much of a concern that is, but there is certainly a layer of risk you add when when you wrap these things in those type of things. So... It's almost like thinking of it as like a wrapped asset, right? Or, or smart contract track risk or something like that. It's just another layer of risk that you're just adding to people's money. So if, it's, if the yield is high enough and it makes sense, well, yeah, sure. Like, why not? Like, you know, maybe it's a good thing. Uh, but um, yeah, like being able to describe the risk to people is important. So they don't think that it's a no risk solution or something like that. None of these things are because there's the price risk, like the shit that they buy goes down in value. That's one risk. And the other risk, though, that's obvious to people. But then there's other. I mean, this
3: is like the the pools, APR just dropping like from what you promised. Right. That's the biggest
1: concern. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't promise anything. You should always make it clear that like the goal is to optimize for yield based on. Like the goal is to optimize based on whatever opportunities are in the ecosystem, and there's no guarantee the yield will be anything particular but uh, but we'll try to find the best yield opportunities possible um, within that space um, while staying like somewhat diversified or whatever um, that kind of thing. And you know, one trick to do is have a fund like this be more heavy into like, so like you would probably be more like eighty percent invested now because of where we are in the market and maybe 20 percent sideline cash right and then maybe the the yield that you get from some of these projects becomes sort of like your cash flow that you can use to reinvest into something right but what you probably and then later in the market as you go along you might want to be like 50 50 right like let's say one more pump happens in the market and it's like okay now we're 50 50 and um, only if there's going to be a big dip we'll buy some more if not Fine, don't worry about it. Only the rest of the money will go up in value, right? So you you don't you'd want to be able to swap to stable coins and like so once you're starting to manage other people's money, it's like you want to clarify like what you're doing. Are you actually gonna actively trade these assets? Is there a general philosophy that you're gonna to use to trade them? Are you going to um just use have everything staked, in which case the the new user is gonna say, wait, if you're all you're doing is staking all this, and why would I need you? Like, right? Like why why have it? So the thing is like with hedge funds, it's always going to be the arguments gonna be, why wouldn't I just self custody this? Why am I using this particular scheme? You know, and, and that, that benefit has to be clarified for people. Right. So it would presume that like, you know, Oh, you maybe you have higher trading skill than the next guy or something, um, which may or may not be true by the way, <laughs> like it just depends. So yeah, I think clarifying what the purpose is, um, and one way to do it would be like you use the dca strategies to some extent and some fraction of the money is just literally held in cash and it just dcas into the various assets and that way you're not held accountable for the fact that well it's just a dca like you know if the price of the asset goes down you get more of it if you, it doesn't you know you don't and <laughs> that kind of thing um anyway let's see if uh muhammad here had a question or comment what's going on man
0: yeah and uh i've been following you like uh uh, it's been a uh, year old uh, almost and it's really oh, like cool. you, you are <laughs> your conversation is really informative so I have three questions and the uh, number one is that like name like 10 coins that you think that are going to make us rich like uh, just taking the perspective mm. you're not supporting a specific one so just make a yeah. list of 10 okay The second. So, question, now do, do you, want... you want to take the questions or they are you can mm-hmm. give the answer and then I'll go the, for the yeah, next sure. No
1: problem. Yeah. So what I was going to say is, uh, do you want things that like are like high growth or you want like medium growth, medium safety? Or do you want like high safety? So so when you say make rich, like the thing is like, do you want something that's like a 2x and you can put a lot of money into it? Or do you want something that's more like a 20x, but you're only going to put a little money into it? Does that make sense?
0: yeah that's 20 20x small amount of money
1: <laughs> so yeah so the, if you're kind of talking about things that have high multiples you're almost always talking about things at lower market caps um take for example now that's not entirely true either like i think like take a chain link for example i think it's a good balance between relative safety not a lot of downside left in that one you know maybe a little bit here and there but the probability of a 10x there is pretty good um in fact, the probability of a five x is exceptionally good um because like you just you know just getting back to all time high gives you almost a four x so um that's a very probable thing with chainlink so the part of the reason why I have a fair amount in that is because I think it's a good balance between good growth and good safety high quality project it's not going anywhere gigantic amount of building happening so that's that that's one example another example of something that's like much different would be something like um, a 50 million market cap type of thing. That's where we, I pick up Zephyr. Zephyr is a brand new like thing. It's basically um, only been out for about the last you know six to seven months, like last summer. It's proof of work based on um, Monero's protocol, which is the the RandomX protocol. It's got a very high hash rate already. It's exceeding Monero actually. It's like or very close to it most of the time and its market cap is so small that like even if it it goes to a billion dollar market cap which you know how these things are these things can move like that pretty readily then you're at a 20x from here um so at the same time like could it go to monero's market cap which is more like 3 billion which makes that a 60x from here possibly so um are there examples of coins that have done this yeah like caspa did this last year a year and a half, it went to like, um, it went from approximately where Zephyr is now to about 3 billion market cap. So that would be like a comparable in the market and stuff. So um, Zephyr has enough interesting things about it that differentiate it from everything else at this price level um, that I've, that i have a larger bag in that with the expectation in my head of reaching probably like a billion dollar market cap plus, which would put it at something like A billion market cap for Zephyr would be around 400 bucks. Right now it's at $17. So that would be sort of like, that's my bag that is like, okay, this is going to make me rich bag um, at that size, right? Now there are other things at those market caps. There's tons of small cap stuff that won't do, that will probably pump in a bull market, but um, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Like you'll hear stuff all the time, like, so they were shilling AI power grid recently, and there was Carlson KLS token, which is pretty much at the absolute bottomed out now. Maybe it goes up, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. It has high hash rate, um, or um, so. So those are like kind of maybes. Now, at the same time, like I'm, I'm only mentioning those because other people did. I'm not saying that those are my high conviction anything. Um, so in the small market cap, I would say I have I have uh, Zephyr. I have a little bit of a project called Lavana LVN, which is on Cosmos, which is like a perpet, per, perpetuals thing. I have like a meme coin that Bruce made, which is autism and a few other things. So I have a lot of little bitty ones like that, but nothing like not huge amounts of cash in these things at all, um, They're small amounts. Then like going to the next level market caps, which is like maybe four to 500 million market caps. These would be kind of like layer one type things. Um, So I would divide up those smaller market cap things into things that have been around for the last bull cycle and the things that only emerged this bull cycle. The stuff that only emerged this bull cycle is probably going to go up higher than the stuff that was already there last cycle. Why? Because like there's a lot of resistance to the sellers and stuff from previous cycle at those older coins. So for my pick for like the layer one with the high growth potential still, I think that would be Kujira, K U J k-u-j-i kujira um it's a group of builders that were building on terra before the crash they kept building they created a brand new blockchain after the terra crash and um their products look and feel fantastic if you go to kujira Kujira, um, and check out their various dApps and things are beautiful they work great they haven't had any major problems so far and um, that's sort of my gamble for something that could probably do a 10x this cycle to maybe a 5 billion market cap if it's doing really well from this current price by the way not from the lowest price now granted i bought that thing at like as low as 50 cents or something it is now at like four dollars or something like that but i picked up some at five bucks um so my average is actually now more like two or something but um uh, i I picked up some more at four dollars as well so right around this Price, I picked up some more, I added to that bag. And the reason is because I was just screening the whole market for a bunch of layer ones. I'm like, who's building quality stuff that probably will go up? And I sort of added to my Kajira bag. And it's one of those two that like they're really, really solid builders. So even if like I have to wait a long time, like maybe I have to wait a few years because maybe this bull cycle, it doesn't go as much as I think. And I have to wait, it's fine because I think it'll do well long term. So that one I'm comfortable both being a bag holder in case it doesn't go up. I'm being uncomfortable if it goes down and I think it will come back up if it does. And then I'm comfortable with the idea that like there's still about a 10x left in the gas tank on that one. Um, maybe more like if you wait a couple of cycles, but I think within a immediate cycle, I think you could get to 50 bucks or something like that um with with some with rationality like you know it doesn't have to do anything really weird to get to those levels remember crypto stuff goes up crazy like things go up way higher than they're really worth so like when these things are on paper worth five billion, remember exit liquidity is only about five percent of that number so the number of people that will actually profit perfectly by selling the top is what five percent or less Because as soon as you start to sell lower liquidity things or earlier projects, they tend to dump faster. So be aware of that. So, you know, I might say, oh, it's going to do a 10x, but you might be like, hell, screw it, I'm going to get out at a 5x because like, you know, the odds that I'm going to be able to sell perfectly at the top are low. So just be aware of that. Uh, when you talk about multiples and getting rich and stuff, it's very easy to say, Hey, I bought some shit and look like it went up to this number. It's a whole different thing to say you sold perfectly at the top, which most people don't. So, cause that's, that would like defy logic. How could most people sell the top perfectly? It's just not even possible, right? Mathematically or physically like this is not how the universe works. So like you should look at it from the angle of like, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I sell halfway up or whatever. Um, but I think the top potential is at least a, a good way to compare different coins, not necessarily that because you're going to, you're going to actually profit from that exact top. Right. So um, anyway, so that's um, yeah. Kujira could definitely get to that. Like anywhere from, I think like it's only a 500 million or 400 million. Now it could easily get to something like um, easily get to a billion and can most certainly make it all the way to 10 billion, possibly as time goes on. Um, My, um, you know, so, so there's, there's growth potential there, I would say. Um, is it going to get there this cycle? I don't know. I think maybe like th- 3 billion to 5 billion is probably a fair target um, for the top of, it's kind of a cycle top. Um, so that that's that. And then other things, let's see, what, are, what other things can like, what do I own? Um, let me think. Uh, let me open up my computer real quick for a second. I sh- I would normally have this off the top of my head, but Like, (laughs) you put me on the spot here. Um, Let's see. Um, So, and and I want to try to, like, focus on stuff that hasn't run up too much yet. And that still has a lot more, like, general potential. Because there's some things like Injective and Fetch and Neutron and some things that have run up quite a bit already you know, how much more potential do they have is kind of debatable. Um, let's take Solana, for example. Solana is like it hit its last FIB level um, before prior high. So that was like $124 or something thereabouts. It hit it perfectly and then it retraced from there. So it's interesting how closely these coins fit with FIB levels. Um, and um, the the high for solana was 250. it appears more popular even this season than it was last season so the probability of reaching prior high which means going from 96 dollars where it is now back to 250 is pretty good and then launching past that to the next fib level of something ridiculous like 670 is pretty good so i would say like i would probably i'm going to sell solana maybe a 3x from here i bought it at 103 it's at 96 at the moment and um I'm not waiting for it to go to the very top personally. I don't care about it as that much. And I think a three X is a pretty comfortable thing. <laughs> so I bought a modest amount and I think a three X is good enough for me from here. If you bought Salon at the bottom, like my brother, my my sister-in-law did, um she bought it like twenty bucks or something. So she's at like a five X already, something like that. Um she bought it at the bottom of like the FTX crash or some shit. I wasn't that interested in it. I didn't like Sam Bankman-Fried and his idiots, so I didn't really want to pay for any Solana at the time. But as a moron, I went and bought it now at 90, at 103. So go figure. But um, but I, I'm, I have a, a rational price target for it. I think it's 3X on Solana this season from here is a very reasonable uh, possibility. Um, let's see, what else? If you want stuff that hasn't gone up at all yet, That might have good momentum, I would say Litecoin and Dogecoin are at the very bottom, like they are like at bottom, bottom support level compared to total three, which is the rest of the small cap um, market caps or the altcoin market cap. Um, So they performed like very poorly so far. But usually when people are getting rich on other shit, they'll start pouring their money from those things into the low risk stuff that hasn't run yet. Um, Dogecoin, for example, has a satellite launch coming called Doge One. It's like a satellite that's going to go up with SpaceX. And you have to imagine at some point, like Elon Musk or whoever the hell else is going to start posting about this. But so far, like Doge, like went above its first fib level, it went to almost 10 cents and then it dumped back down to like Seven and a half cents. It's low for the bear market. It was only five cents. So there's very little like excess like FOMO or fluff in Doge and in Litecoin. So these are very low, cheap prices to get them. So uh, these would be safe in my opinion because like like Litecoin is like at a price almost lower than the price to mine it. And at those types of levels um, in a bull market, you're typically going to get some run. Um, even if you get just a three X on Litecoin and Dogecoin, that's good enough for me on those two. And I bought them for three X's. I literally have sell orders in on my, um, exchanges to sell both of those at a three X from current price. And I literally pretty much bought them at the exact price they are now, both LTC and Doge. They pulled back a little bit today. Um, so those are sort of like not really get rich, but not really like lose a lot of money either kind of plays. I think the odds of losing money much at Doge and Litecoin at this level are not particularly very high. Um, relatively safe, in my, my opinion, at this price level. So that's kind of why, why I picked up those. Um, let me see. Uh, so that's a pretty good coverage of a pretty good wide variety, I think. Um, I would say Thank like my, my highest growth conviction bag for this season is Zephyr. It has the most interesting metrics for something at 50 million market cap that I've seen so far. Um, has the most interesting features in it um, that make it something that a lot of people are going to like. And when people start using it, they're like, um, <laughs> like, if you could 10X your bag and it's a privacy token like Zephyr and no one knows you've xed would it um, and you can convert to Zeph stable dollar within your wallet and not actually have to show anybody, that's a big deal. So like people that want that sort of thing are going to l- want that sort of thing. And there, there's going to be users that show up um, that keep using it. So it's, it's a, I think the high growth... Uh, potential is there. Um, At the same time, any of these things that are very small cap um, have always have risks. So you should always presume that anything that can go like a 20x can also go to zero. Um, And so as long as you um, are comfortable with those odds, well, then fine, jump right in. But like, but Zephyr still has a potential for like 100x, like not just 10 or 20 still. At this price, it still has 100x potential, meaning it gets to um, not only Monero's market cap, which puts it at 60x, but actually goes to like a bull market super top, which Monero did, which is like five times what Monero's valuation is now. So you could wind up with a crazy run with something like this. Because remember, as they go up, they people tell their friends and then it goes up more and then people tell their friends and it goes up more. and It just goes out like that. It does that for like two years. Okay, just so check that. So
0: Zephyr is not on the Binance, I think so
1: no it's not yet which is why which is the reason why you want to get it earlier so it's on mexc m-e-x-c but you don't want to get it after it's on binance already that'll injective be, that'll on be the binance. what's that i said injective on the binance injective is yes but uh in injective and uh and also um neutron around binance but uh no zephyr like You don't want it to be on Binance until the market cap's much higher because it'll make it harder for the price to move at this point. So, yeah, they'll they'll work on all those exchange listings later um, as the price goes up because exchange listings are quite expensive. So if the team were to sell a bunch of Zeph tokens now to try to list on Binance, it's going to dump the price. You don't want to mess with a Binance listing until like Zephyr is well above a billion market cap. Even Kujira is 400 million market cap. It's not on Binance either um Binance takes a lot of money from you to to list so you, you don't want that just yet get Me- go on mexc or tradeover and you can find zephyr no problem uh MEXC works quite well just use VPN wherever you're at and hop on uh anyway yeah king did you have a question about anything
3: yeah um i was just like going to ask about like what what are your thoughts on on torchain
1: like um is there anything like yeah uh rune is uh priced good now um, so it's not too overpriced, uh, at this stage. So like ruin f it's at $4 and 63 cents, very reasonable. Um, it's done a pullback from $7 and, um, like 20 cents or something like that. It's next fib level down is right at $4. Um, it almost touched that on the recent weeks, um, like maybe a week ago or something, uh yeah the last week candle the low is like 435 and it's at 463 um the bottom for rune was 77 cents at the bottom of the bear market and um rune will typically go up if btc and eth go up because um, you have to have three times as much rune to secure the thor chain as there are assets in total value locked i think uh Thorchain. chain like the deterministic price for Thorchain is what now? Is it like $2 or something like that, right? So I think as long as uh rune is like two, like the floor price for rune is gonna be the deterministic price. and That's around probably two dollars. In fact, you go to Thorchain's website, it's gonna show you, right? Um, let me see, Thorchain. It should show you the deterministic price level. There's actually so Thorchain's interesting, and there's an actual like statistic you can use to sort this out (laughs) let me find it real quick um where is that page quote estimator
6: Picking pockets, osmosis, down only prognosis Motherfuckers like to keep their bags Lock they bag holding We just rock at the and talk with like these implosions Your net with at the bottom by the ocean oh, gate. salty ass people, they rusty and that shit's corrosive Meanwhile, we just trying to venture in the moment Laughing at these over-emotional cats in ocean o and Gaddy's on the rag, turning cosmos into close Diamond hands, run around like chickens with their heads cut off Turkey dow, showing a right where they supposed to go The dopes makes the poison, watch these plebs overdose Cornholio Watch trading portfolios Watching all these clown ass peeps They doing clown ass shit Inside this clown ass Go making clown ass bits Not it down since day one in survival mode So come fuck around and get your clown ass kicked we ain't got no fucking idea, do we mimicking someone else's ideas till we make it to the big top then the market pops even if we wanted to yo this shit ain't never gonna stop we ain't got no fucking idea do we mimicking someone else's ideas till we make it to the big top then the market pops even if we wanted to yo this shit ain't never gonna stop
1: I'm, I'm sorry I'm sorry to stop this conversation but as you know I'm very respectful the validator on the on the Cosmos chain and I have 1.4 atoms. Awesome. From my daily reward. It's 50% of my body And you know, I usually don't like to dump on the community. And
6: there might be the bug. I think I've been around long enough to know the difference between who's influencing and who's getting grifted. Getting to the point, everyone is looking desperate. Forgetting what it felt like to be arrested. Well Not on stress, this terror forward, no domestic. After living through the terror collapse, we battle tested. Most of us wreck with nothing left to invest with. So we build the attention, economy As yes, a last ditch effort to take back the scepter But the king ain't going out without a fight or a final lecture So the mission is confidential, no witnesses That's the main reason the shit is hit or miss Everybody came here to get rich quick Then the well dried up, now they thirsty as shit It should come as no surprise in this silly biz Me casa, su casa, but that ain't how it really is We ain't got no fucking idea, do we? Mimicking someone else's ideas Till we make it to the big top, then the market pops even if we wanted to yo this shit ain't never gonna stop we ain't got no fucking idea do we mimicin someone else's ideas till we make it to the big top and the market pops even if we wanted to yo this shit ain't never gonna stop
5: the reason why you're an FG is it's pretty clear i think everyone in the audience would uh, would agree with me um, and some people just DM me this, it's because of liquidity. you think you can make more money from NFT, uh, basically speculators, running up the price, and essentially the core team can mint NFTs out of nowhere and dump them? I mean, that's the truth.
1: I'm sorry, I'm sorry to stop this conversation, but as you know, I'm very validator on the validator on the Cosmos chain. And I have 1.4 Atom from my daily reward. 50% of my validator. And you know, I usually don't like to dump on the community. Oh, and I see we have our friend from TerraSpaces, Finn, who's going to be recording this
0: space. Uh, it will live on for the rest of your lifetimes.
5: So if you say anything compromising, the I might come after you
2: and use this space as proof. We've seen it happen before, it's not a joke.
6: It's a little bit of a joke that the SEC listens to these spaces. And there might be the pods. <laughs> hey, kids! It's your
0: buddy! It's
6: a joshi knock <laughs> oh a boy, I got a coin for you to invest in! That's right, it's called Put My F***ing <laughs> You! Let's go! Tim Spaces